This is the day that the Lord has made. I'd like to welcome you all here the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. For those watching online, we're using Divine Service 1 out of the Luke's Service Book. Bid numbers 901, 486, 395, 610, 705, 704, 841, and 741. Today we're going to try to reinstitute the children's offering for the Liberian Children's Ministry, which raises money to send children to school in Liberia, different schools there. Um, what we're going to do is, as the kids come forward for the children's message, they would like um, the, the globe will be up front, they can put an offering in there. But it, they don't need to give an offering in order to have a children's message. We know lots of kids get online, and so they don't need But anyway, we're going to try to face you through that. Um, we'll follow whatever service you received on the way in today on page 3 with confession and absolution, followed by sharing the peace and the processional kid. Let's rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us kneel and be seated in confession. our sins to God, our Father. Moses, merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus, Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will, and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a call and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us rise and greet one another in the peace of the Lord.
God and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Praise the Lord all. 
Now I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so we believe. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But if that Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the singing of the Alleluia verse. Rejoice in that day and leave for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. 
for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. This is the gospel of the Lord. Black, 
I, I saw some of your pictures, green, blue, yellow, pink, all the colors are so wonderful. And you know, when the gloves went on, all the work could get done, right? And I got a lot of things done, but now, that's your favorite? These are my favorite work gloves for now. But were the gloves really doing the work? Even though I put them on, I mean, I was still working on them. They protected my hands, yeah. Well, you know what? These work gloves, they went from useless to useful. That's a birthday bracelet. How about that? You can make me a birthday bracelet and we'll see how long it stays on. But you have to wait that long time for my birthday. I might not even have one ever again. <laughs> being a useful glove is like being, it's like being, you can be like a glove, Tessa, just like Christians. Christians are like work gloves. You know what? We heard this is motor grief from St. Paul's letter. And he's talking to the people of the church, and we are people of the church, right? And he said, Jesus, this is what we're telling you, Jesus was raised from the dead. He died and was raised, and he, he appeared to all these people. He appeared to all these people, and even me, Paul said, he even appeared to me as worthless as I was, as useless as I was. Paul used to kill people in the church. He hated people preaching about Jesus in the church. Right? But Jesus appeared to him, and Paul became one of what we call one of the greatest apostles and disciples. You remember Miss Fern telling me last week? We are disciples. We are disciples. And we can be useful. But it's not the gloves, it's not us doing the work. Paul said, I am what I am only by the grace of God. The grace of God is in us. We have to be just like, just like Pastor read in the, in the gospel. Did you hear it? It said, we hear the beatitude, blessed are the poor, blessed are the, those who weep. Sounds like People who are pretty empty are the ones who are blessed, right? Just like these empty gloves, we need to be empty and let Jesus fill our hearts. Can we do that? Yes, we can. We can still be happy, right? Yeah, let's say a prayer. Dear Father, help us be your vessels. Fill us with your love and help us share that with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I thought your, I thought your shirt said Browns. Like Russell Burroughs. So I have got, you guys can do double the work because I've got double filled cookies. Is that good? Remember, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Have a great week and a great day. We continue with the sermon number 486 of Christ had not been raised from death on page 10.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do these places have in common? Cambridge, Massachusetts. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pingling, China. Nauvoo, Illinois. And Medina, Saudi Arabia. In each of these places, you can visit the graves of dead religious leaders. Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science, is in Cambridge. Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, is in Pittsburgh. The cremated remains of Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, is in Pinglang. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, is in Nauvoo. And Muhammad's body is in Medina in the Islamic Green Dome. You can make a pilgrimage to any and all of these places and visit the graves containing the dead remains of the founders of these various religions. There's another grave of a founder of a religion in Jerusalem in Israel. It is the grave of Jesus of Nazareth who founded the religion of Christianity. I got to visit this grave in July of 1991, and this grave is different from all of the other graves that I mentioned. And what's the difference? Well, Jesus' grave is empty. Jesus rose from the dead. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And because Jesus rose from the dead, you will rise from the dead. You confess this each Sunday in the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body. This confession refers to your body. In the end, death will not be victorious. This is what you confess together each week here at church, even though you live in a world that denies the resurrection of Jesus' body and denies the resurrection of your body because resurrection flies in the face of experience. Folks know birth, folks know life, folks know death. They know that dead is dead. They have seen it. But it's not true. Dead is not dead. Jesus of Nazareth was executed on a Roman cross in Jerusalem. Before dying, he cried out, It is finished! The Roman soldiers overseeing the crucifixion were death experts. They made sure Jesus was dead by spearing him in the side and blood and water flowed forth from the wound. Jesus of Nazareth was certainly dead. He was taken down from the cross, wrapped in linens with, with um, spices, and he was laid in a nearby tomb. And Jesus died in a public place at Calvary, also called Golgotha, just outside the walls of Jerusalem. Two prominent men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, took Jesus' body and buried him in an unused tomb. Jesus' death and burial on that Friday were done in a very public way. No one denied what had just happened. Jesus' disciples were present, or Jesus' disciple John was present at the cross. The other disciples likely were watching in fear from a distance. A group of women who followed Jesus from Galilee were also at the cross. They went to the tomb afterwards, watched as Jesus' body was placed in the tomb, and the tomb was sealed with a stone and a guard was set to make sure no one stole the body. And it was over. Jesus was dead and buried. Come Sunday morning, the women went back to the tomb to bring spices and discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead. 
They reported it to the disciples who came to see the empty tomb with the grave clothes neatly folded. Jesus appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That night he appeared to, to the disciples who were hiding in a locked room. And a week later he appeared to them again when Thomas was back with him. And he touched Jesus' wounds. The disciples touched Jesus. They ate with Jesus. Jesus really did die. And Jesus really did rise from the dead. These are both true, even though it does not make sense. In our epistle lesson today, St. Paul is writing to the Christians in Corinth, in nearby Athens in Greece. Greek society did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. In the Greek city of Corinth, everyone would have known that when you die, only your soul makes the trip across the river Styx into the underworld. No bodies allowed. And it's likely in the culture of Corinth, they would have been very skeptical of the idea of resurrection. One famous Greek playwright wrote, When the dust hath drained the blood of a man, once he is slain, there is no resurrection. The Greeks believe dead is dead, period. End of the story. Not much has changed in our times. There's a strong sense that death is the end. There's nothing after death. Dead bodies have no future. We tend to imagine our souls after death like a life force of Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda or something after they die, a kind of glowing version of our physical selves. Remember how neither Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda left an embarrassing corpse behind when they died. Neither did Master Ugwe from the Kung Fu Panda. In fact, in entertainment of young and old, we Americans seem to be content with a soul living on without a body, if it's a family movie, and souls living on in dead bodies if it's a zombie movie. But we do not imagine that something as vulgar as a corpse has much of a future. Even in the church, there can be a strong sense that our bodies are just a shell, and once the spirit leaves the body, it's a useless husk with no future. This way of thinking is what St. Paul is confronting in our epistle lesson today. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You will one day die and return to the earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But this will not stop your resurrection. God created Adam from the dust of the ground. He tells Adam, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Jesus teaches in John 5, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus tells Lazarus' sister Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. There is resurrection of the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead, and you will be raised from the dead. Paul calls people out for not believing in the resurrection of the dead. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. Paul is adamant. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then your faith is in vain. Paul Meyer, a Lutheran historian and son of the first Lutheran hour speaker, Walter Meyer, wrote a book called A Skeleton in God's Closet. The basic premise of the novel is that archaeologists have found the bones of Jesus of Nazareth, and the book explores what effect this has on Christians around the world. Ponder this for a moment. If Jesus' body is found, how would it affect your life? Would you still come to church? If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then Christianity is nothing. If Jesus is not raised, this would all just be foolishness, and we would be fools to keep on hoping in Christ. Paul writes, if in, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. I fear, though, that for many church bodies, finding the body of Jesus would not change what they do. Many liberal church bodies already teach that Jesus' resurrection may have just been a, a spiritual resurrection to show the disciples' faith, but that Jesus did not really rise from the dead. Churches have just become a group of nice people doing nice things. But the true church is so much more. The true church will be destroyed if they ever find the body of Jesus. If they find the body of Jesus, all this is worthless. But the truth is, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We know this to be true. There were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. They recorded what they witnessed, and we have that testimony. This is not some vision a writer got while he was sitting in a cave somewhere. This is eyewitness testimony recorded for all time. And not just one eyewitness, many eyewitnesses. Paul writes, he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. We have the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, and Paul. Luke records others' eyewitness accounts. And you know you can trust these accounts because of what the eyewitnesses did for the rest of their lives after witnessing Jesus' resurrection. Church history tells us that these eyewitnesses of the resurrection spent the rest of their lives witnessing about what they had seen. They did not get rich or powerful. They endured abuse and torture and imprisonment because of their testimony. They were whipped and beaten and stoned and driven out of towns and cities. 
Ten out of the eleven disciples plus Paul were executed for telling people that Jesus rose from the dead. These eyewitnesses absolutely know the truth about Jesus rising from the dead, and they never stop telling others, no matter what the consequences. Jesus is the first fruits of the grave. He is the first one out of the grave, but he will not be the last. Unless Jesus returns while you're still alive, while you're still alive, you will follow him out of the grave on the last day as your body will be raised up imperishable and your spirit and body reunited, clothed in the robe of Jesus' righteousness, together with all the communion of saints, will march into the heavenly city of New Jerusalem, your new eternal home. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. This is not just some Easter proclamation. This is your confession of the truth. And because Jesus has risen, you also will rise from the dead. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.
For all people among whom the gospel is preached, that they would hold fast to God's word and not believe it in vain. Let us pray to the Lord. For the family and all godly Christian homes, that God would give parents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith and word and example. That he would keep all children in his promise made to them in their baptism, and that the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love would have no end among us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the blessedness of Christ and our rewards and blessings may never consist in the treasures and goods of this world. And for joy and for sorrow to know that if we have him, we lack nothing, and we're receiving eternal reward in Christ that cannot fail. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For those troubled by any unclean spirit, memory, or thought, for the sick and those who need healing, especially Sally, Doug, Becky, Anna, Shauna, Jenny, Steve, Ruth, Donna, and Sheila, that they would receive the power of Christ in the hearing of his word and be cured. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who come to eat the holy body and precious blood of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the blessed sacrament, that trusting you they may be filled with God's blessing. Let us pray to the Lord. For hope that reaches beyond this life, confident in the risen Christ, who will only be the first fruits from among those who sleep. For all who mourn that they may have comfort in this life, and that we may live confidently in our expectation of the resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, O oh Lord, our loving Father, we trust all these petitions to your care for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is worshipped together with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to holy lord almighty father everlasting god through jesus christ our lord for what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world you have made known to the nations in your son in him being found in the substance of our mortal nature you have manifested the fullness of your glory therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying.
of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in true faith and the life
body and blood of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and preserve you in true faith of the life everlasting. Pardon peace. Your sins are forgiven.
thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor.